Hey, y'all. Sorry for the late posting of this week's episode, but as some of you may know, I am in the path of Hurricane Ian right now, and I have been super busy with trying to prep my house and get ready at work and just trying to hunker down. So please forgive me, but this week's episode will be coming out on Thursday. It is now Wednesday. Um, September 28th, and you guys will hear it on Thursday, September 29th. Sorry. Hey guys, and welcome back to Murdered and Missing. I'm your host, Nicole, and this week's story is twofold. I'm going to tell you about the kidnapping and brutal murder of nine-year-old Amber Hagerman 26 years ago and how it inspired the creation of the Amber Alert. Since its creation in 1996, the Amber Alert system has helped rescue more than 1,000 children. Amber Hegerman went missing in Arlington, Texas in 1996. It was January 13th and Amber, her brother Ricky, and their mother Donna had decided to go over their grandparents' house that day. Around 3.10 p.m., Amber and Ricky would ask if they could go for a bike ride together. And Amber's mother, having done the same thing at her age, thought nothing of it and allowed her two children to head off. However, before setting out, Donna would give them strict instructions to stay within a single block radius of their grandparents' house. Amber and Ricky had agreed, and they set off. However, Amber would keep pedaling her pink bike all the way to an abandoned Winn-Dixie parking lot, which was only two blocks away, which was one block further than what her mom said. So after arriving at the parking lot, Amber and Ricky were pedaling around for a little bit, and then Ricky became uneasy being so far away. Now, Ricky was only five at the time of Amber's abduction, so he decided he was going to go back to his grandparents' house. So once he got there, their mother and grandparents were like, hey, Ricky, where's Amber? Why are you guys not together? So Ricky tells them that she decided to pedal to this Winn-Dixie parking lot and having known that this par- this parking lot was two blocks away, they said, nope, go back, tell your sister to come back and y'all can't go for a bike ride no more. So from the time that Ricky had left Amber in that parking lot, got back to his grandparents' house, and had pedaled back to go get her was eight minutes. It only took eight minutes for this, for this horrible kidnapping and murder to happen. And it would rock this community to its core. It would change the course of this family's lives forever and ultimately would change the way detectives and the media and the general public respond to a missing child. So once Ricky realized that Amber was not in this parking lot anymore, he went back to his grandparents' house to tell them that he was unable to find her because she was not there. Now, nobody knew where Amber had gone in this time frame. 
So I've, I've read some reports that say her grandfather jumped in his car and went around looking, um, but that's unsubstantiated. And I couldn't find more than like one source that had a single sentence. So I'm not sure if her grandfather does get in the car. But what I do know is that a witness would come forward and tell detectives what he had seen. Now, this witness was Jimmy Kevill, and I really hope that I am saying his name right. So he told police that he saw a man in his 20s or 30s who was either Hispanic or white and had dark colored hair and was roughly under six feet tall. He was driving a black single cab pickup truck, either 80s to 90s model. He wasn't very sure. It had a short wheelbase and a clear rear window. He would see this black pickup truck pull up alongside Amber as she was riding around the parking lot. He would then witness as this man grabbed Amber off of her bike and force her into his truck. Jimmy would later tell CBS Dallas Fort Worth, quote, when she screamed, I figured police ought to know about it. So I called them, end quote. And I have to say, I applaud you, Jimmy, because nowadays, I'm not sure if somebody would have called the police if they heard somebody screaming. So good on you, Jimmy. So the Winn-Dixie parking lot that Amber was last seen in is located west of Highway 360. Now, you may be wondering why this is important. And it's important because Mr. Kevill would tell police that once this man had Amber in his truck, he headed away from Highway 360 in the direction of downtown Arlington. Now, like I said, Highway 360 is to the east of downtown Arlington, but it runs north and south. So he would have been able to easily get out of Arlington by hopping on Highway 360 and getting out of Dodge, essentially. But he doesn't do that. So I will post a photo from Google Maps with the highway location, where the parking lot is located in relation to um, Highway 360 and the direction in which the suspect fled. Now, all of this information um, is pertinent because once the police were notified of Amber's abduction and dozens of police officers had responded and FBI agents responded, they realized that with how close she was kidnapped from Highway 360 and the direction that the suspect fled, this led police to believe that this suspect was local. So police would spend four days looking for the suspect whom they believed was still in the area. And they believed that, you know, they would be able to find Amber. And they had volunteers looking, FBI agents, you know, the works. Everybody was 
looking for Amber. They were putting pictures everywhere and they were hoping that by doing this, they would be able to get um, more witnesses of, you know, Amber's abduction and things like that. So Donna would eventually go on television and she would plead with whoever had Amber to please, please just let her come home. And as a mother myself, I, I can't imagine the torture that Donna and Ricky and their whole family went through. And they would spend the next four days scouring Arlington. But sadly, despite Donna's pleas, Amber would never come home. Four days after Amber was kidnapped, a man who was walking his dog would find Amber's nude, lifeless body in a creek roughly four miles away from where she was taken. This coupled with the direction that the suspect has fled in, like I said earlier, led police to really hone in on the fact that they believed he was a local. Detective Grant Gildon would go on to tell Police Magazine, quote, based on the direction of travel when they left the parking lot and then her being found in Arlington, being abducted and just being in that spot, the question has always been, did somebody have a connection with that area where the abduction was? End quote. I kind of lean the same way that Detective Gildan leans. He obviously did not travel very far. He only went four miles away and he headed towards downtown Arlington. I, I do believe that this man was a local. Police Detective Randy Lockhart was one of the first detectives on scene after Amber's body was discovered. The next part's rough. I'm going to describe um, her cause of death. So if you don't want to hear it, I would go ahead and skip forward roughly five to ten seconds. So Detective Lockhart explains that when Amber was found, she was found face down in the creek she was naked with the exception of a sock, which was still on her left foot. And when Detective Lockhart rolled Amber over, he would catch her head in his hands and her throat he described as being slashed with either a screwdriver or a knife. Those were some of the roughest words I think I have ever read in I'm somebody who is obsessed with true crime. I think like we all are. I'm actually pursuing my master's degree in forensic psychology because of my love of true crime. And that statement gutted me. It, it, was, it was very rough. Recently, police have released um, some photos None of Amber herself, um, other than, you know, photos that the, the family has provided, 
but they did post um, some photos of her bike, the creek in which she was found, and kind of a diagram of the area explaining um, where her body was found and um, some other little items are found on this diagram. Now, I will post those on Instagram so you guys can have a better look and see if maybe you recognize the area. I do know that I've got some Texas listeners, so hopefully you guys will know of something. Um, To say that Amber's murder rocked this community would be an understatement. This murder sent shockwaves through this community, shockwaves of anger and anguish, and an overall call to action. So as Amber's family mourned their horrible loss, a Texas mom named Diana Simmons was unable to stop thinking about this little girl and her family and how this moldy piece of hot, stinky Texas garbage was able to just snatch Amber and just get away. And she did not like that the community as a whole didn't know that Amber was missing until hours later. And she felt like there needed something to be done. There, we needed more. And she would later, um, Diana that is, would later go on to tell People Magazine, quote, I can't get over this child. There has to be something we can do. There are weather alerts and civil defense alerts. So why wouldn't they do an alert for this? End quote. So Diana would reach out to local radio stations with her idea of an emergency alert. Originally, she had named it Amber's Plan. And she would reach out to local radio stations in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And the Dallas-Fort Worth Association of Radio Managers would then team up with local law enforcement to get this early warning system up and running. Now, at first, it was pretty contained to just radio stations and in the Arlington, Texas area. But by 1999, eight Arlington area TV stations had joined in and began sending out these urgent messages. And over the next couple of years, we would really truly begin to see the growth of the Amber Alert. Now, this alert system is named the Amber Alert in memory of Amber Hegerman, but it stands for America's Missing Broadcast Emergency Response. Other states and communities would then soon set up their own plan and This is one thing that I am so glad has spread nationwide and and spread like wildfire. Now, Amber's murder is still an active and ongoing investigation. Detective Gildan is the lead investigator, and he has said, quote, we want to solve it. We want to get answers for the family, end quote. Now, Ash on Morbid had said in a really recent episode that you don't really ever get closure in situations like this. And I'm really sorry if you guys just heard my dog flapping his ears. And I think she's right. 
I don't think this family will ever truly be able to have closure, but I hope they get justice. And I hope that they do get answers. And police, like I said earlier, have released these photos in hopes that someone will remember something and come forward. And they're also hopeful that when they submitted this small sample of DNA that they had collected at the scene, it's going to lead them to a suspect. You know, somebody who has done something this brutal has probably done it before and has probably done it again. Do I have evidence of that? No. Those are just my thoughts. Or like the Golden State Killer, Jason D'Angelo, whatever that scumbag's name is, he was caught by familial DNA. So hopefully something like that happens in Amber's case. Police have said that this case has generated more than 7,000 leads. Each one of those leads are followed up on. They are investigated and they are run down. Sadly, none of these leads have led to a suspect. So if anybody out there anywhere has any information on the kidnapping and murder of Amber Hegerman, please call Arlington Police at 817-575-8823. If you want to remain anonymous, call Crime Stoppers of Tarrant County at 817-469-TIPS. That's 817 817- 4968477. I just want to I want to thank you guys for listening. I want to thank you guys for coming back and listening to repeat episodes. If you guys could rate, review, share my podcast, that would be amazing. Um, you know, follow me on Instagram, murdered and missing pod all one word. I am on Facebook at, um, I've got a group, it's Murdered and Missing. Join it, come talk to us, come hang out. As always, stay spooky, be a good human.